This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by communications director Lizzie Ulmer and political director Farah Melendez of the Democratic Attorneys General Association. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having us. Hey, guys. Yeah, of course. So let's start simple. What is the Democratic Attorneys General Association and why should Democratic Attorney Generals matter to millennials? So I'll start with about the organization. So here at the Democratic Attorneys General Association, we refer to ourselves as DAGA or DAGA, depending on how you say your A's. Uh, And we work to support and elect Democratic AGs all over the country. Democratic AGs fight every day to protect our freedoms and protect the way that we live. And we fight for them so they can fight for you. Coming out of the 2018 elections, we now have 27 Democratic AGs across the country. And we're really looking forward to continuing to grow that room in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, and to and this is to answer the second part of your question is that the the AGs who won this year and who are coming into the new class of AGs were really excited because partly they are more representative of the states that they're in. So it's it looks like the people who are in the states and so. And they're very real. They deal with very real issues that affect their day to day lives. And this goes anywhere from student loans to health care to reproductive rights, you name it. And the AGs are there uh, fighting for you. That might be helpful to help people understand what we mean when we say they're fighting for you. The attorneys general or the AG in your state is the lawyer for the state or the people's lawyer. So when the state passes a law um, and it needs to be defended against the federal government, that's going to be your state AG. When the federal government oversteps, like we've seen happen a lot lately, uh, you're going to see state AGs, Democratic AGs pushing back. Um, so they are the attorney for the people. Um, and right now we have 27 Democratic AGs fighting for the people all over the country. What were the stakes going into this election and what exactly do the results mean for the next two years of Trump's presidency? Well, I think I think you're going to see a continued uh, continued effort by on behalf of Democratic AGs being that last line of defense. I'm a first line of defense, depending on how you want to think about it, pushing it back against some dangerous rollbacks that are coming out of the Trump administration. Um, everything from the travel ban to rollbacks and contraceptive coverage to incredible work to protect um, environmental protections have all been done by Democratic AGs. And going into election night, we had 23 Democratic AGs fighting hard. And post-election night, we now have 27. So we picked up four seats across the country. Um, and Farah was really integral to a lot of that work in identifying those candidates. The stakes were really high. We now have more Democratic AGs fighting together. And that means more resources. That means more efficiency. And that means, you know, there is power in numbers when it comes to attorneys general. Yeah. And we mentioned it, or at least I mentioned it a little bit earlier. But when I say that it is the people are the new attorneys general, that they are more representative of those states. And like Lizzie said, that they are the people's lawyers. So when I was going around, I really traveled around the country, went state to state. I worked with uh, state parties. I met with stakeholders in each state. 
um, on both the local level and at the national level. Um, but it's, it's, it's just so important that not only personally for me as a Latina, but to see somebody in office who cares about the same things that I care about and making these very important decisions that are happening and will later continue to, to protect, you know, the people in our states. So how do you go about identifying and endorsing candidates? Great question. Uh, I think, one, I wish that there were so many good candidates that were running this year, and I just wanted to sprinkle them all over the country, and I want them all to win. <laughs> uh, but I think identifying them is, just like I said, I was working hand-in-hand with the state parties and talking to folks at, at, at the national level and saying, you know, who has been a champion for your rights? Who has been, um, you know, working towards these things that they haven't been necessarily career politicians, but they have been doing the grunt work and, and fighting for all of these issues, like you said, different, any, really any issue, um, and different backgrounds and talking to them and encouraging them. Uh, now something we haven't mentioned is that not only are they you know, this is the really the most diverse set of candidates that we have ever had that the Democratic Attorney General has ever had. So it was, you know, making sure that they had the tools that they need and the encouragement that they need um, as they walk into these campaigns. And so that's where I was there helping them with strategy, where it was, hey, I'm thinking about doing this and giving them that final nudge of this is actually very important for you to do this for people in your state for many reasons. And I'm going to give Farrah a huge shout out. For a long time, the Office of Attorney General has kind of flown under the radar, and we've seen the importance of that office grow over the last decade or so, and particularly under the Trump administration, the importance of that role has been escalated. Um, but it's still an office that's often overlooked by sort of legal scholars, state representatives, state senators, and all those political beings in the state that are going to go on to run for a higher office. And so by having Kara going around the country and working with state parties, working with national leaders, and actually being there on the ground asking, who are you considering having run for this office? Who's on your radar? And making sure those people knew about DAGA and knew about the work we were doing and, and knowing that there's someone invested in this office and making sure that we have strong Democrats running for this office really made a difference. I think that's a huge reason for why we were able to uh, pick up four seats and protect all of our incumbents as well as protect all of the open seats that were formerly held by Democrats. And what, on the other hand, have Republican attorney generals done? So Republican AGs and Democratic AGs actually do a lot of work together. So I think that's really important for viewers to understand, too, that the Office of Attorney General is a place where we still see a lot of bipartisan work come, come out, especially right now there's a, a really important multi-state investigation um, going on regarding the um, opioid manufacturing and manufacturers and distributors. Um, as it relates to the opioid crisis that so many communities out there are facing. Um, so we do see Democratic AGs and Republican AGs work together. Where you're going to see some really stark contrast, and there could not be a better example than what's going on with the health care law and the Affordable Care Act. I mean, right now, uh, in court, we have a battle between Republican attorneys general who have filed a lawsuit to dismantle critical health care for millions of Americans. Um, they're fighting in court to take that away. Democratic AGs have stepped in when the federal government has failed to protect this law to say, no, the uh, Affordable Care Act is constitutional and we're going to fight to save it. And so that's that's where you're going to see a big difference between Democratic AGs and Republican AGs is on an issue um, like health care. Um, you're also going to see some pretty big differences in the way that they approach the office. 
Democratic AGs are all about making sure that the rule, that the laws on the books work for the people and that we're creating, you know, a fair and open marketplace and that people have protections that they need. Um, they really are serving as the people's lawyers. And um, Republican AGs over the last, the last, throughout the Obama administration, um, really served to be somewhat obstructionist. Uh, former Texas Attorney General, who's now the Texas Governor, Greg Abbott is very famous for saying on the record that he wakes up in the morning and he sues the federal government. And you're not going to hear that from a Democratic AG. You're going to hear Democratic AGs talking about how they're fighting to protect progress, to prevent rollbacks, and to keep their people safe. So there were a few close races in states like Arizona, Florida, and Ohio, where Democrats unfortunately did not come out on top. Why is that? And what did those losses teach you going into the upcoming election cycle? Like, I think with those states that you mentioned, and especially states like Florida and Georgia, we had fantastic candidates running. Uh, but what's interesting about the attorney general's spot is that sometimes they do outperform at the top of the ticket. And with the dynamics that were happening at the national level and what was happening at the top of the ticket, uh, it came too closer than what we, than what we wanted it to be. And, and like we said, it didn't, it didn't result necessarily in the way that we did in those states, but at the same time, we were able to open up a door for these candidates where we'll see maybe if they'll run in the future again, but they were able to run competitive enough races where they were either open seats or they were challenging um, incumbents who had not ran before, and they were applying pressure and asking the right questions to these Republican um, incumbents, or they were bringing up the right issues that really were relatable to the people in those states. Yeah, I just want to second what Farah is um, talking about is that we really saw those were really close races. And of course, we wish they would have gone uh, the other way as Democrats. But we also know that there's a, sometimes you have to uh, put up put up a tough fight and it doesn't always go your way. And so much of this work, particularly when it comes to the Office of Attorney General and making people pay attention to this race, was starting the process of educating voters, particularly in those key states, about the importance of this office, um, who the candidates are. I think we learned a lot of lessons about the importance of making sure candidates are out there early and often talking about who they are and what the issues that they care about. Name ID and, and being well-known in your state is so important, especially if you're going to be going up against an incumbent or a name that's better known in the state. So I think we learned a lot of lessons coming out of 2018 from some of those losses, but we also have a lot of encouragement about the Democratic energy and the unprecedented numbers of, of voters that turned out in those, to the polls in those states as well. And what about in red states? Do Democrats have any hope of flipping AG offices in deep red states like South Carolina, Oklahoma, Alabama? Yeah, definitely. So something to keep in mind is actually going into 2018, there were actually nine states that had Democratic AGs and Republican governors. So it is not a foreign concept to see uh, voters who are voting for like an all Republican ticket also then switch over and vote for that Democratic AG candidate. And we've looked into that a lot and we're trying to understand that phenomenon a little better to potentially make bigger waves in some of the states like you mentioned. But at the end of the day, people want their attorney general, and we know this from polling and some other work we've done, who's going to fight for them, who's going to put people over politics, who's going to fight corruption. And if we can put up strong Democratic candidates that really carry that message home, there's no doubt those candidates can and will win in those states. And what states have major attorney general elections in 2020? 
We have some in 2019, too. Uh, Fair, you want to talk about 2019 first before we get to 2020? Yes. So in 2019, we actually have three states up, which is Louisiana, Kentucky, and Mississippi. Uh, And we're excited because two out of the three states, we have Democratic attorneys general, and they are, we're sad to see them go, but they are running for governor. Uh, But you know what? We already have candidates who are, who we're speaking with and who are ready to go and ready to hit the ground running with their campaigns. And then jumping into 2020, uh, we talked a little bit about recruitment, but the point of all of it is that we've got to get them up and running sooner. And so we're working on that right now. We're recruiting for 2020. We've already, I've already spoken to a few candidates for a few years, actually, who've been interested in running in 2020. And um, so I won't say any names, but we, we do have a list of folks who are ready to go in 2020. Hey everyone, I'm Nathan. And I'm Dylan. And as you know, Millennial Politics is totally independent and volunteer run. That means every podcast you listen to, every article you read, and every tweet you see is created by a dedicated team of volunteers. It also means that we can say what we want to say when we want to say it, but we rely on listeners just like you to support our work. We hope you'll consider supporting us by subscribing at patreon.com slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. And if you subscribe at the ambassador level or more, we'll send you a free copy of How Our Government Really Works Despite What They Say. It's an award-winning book about the intricacies of American government. And you'll get to join our exclusive ambassador Slack channel and get to hang out with us all day, every day. I pretty much live there. So if that appeals to you, come join us. And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer, Greg Stevens, and our producers, Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia-Brown. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N politics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. We saw a lot of controversy about voter suppression in states across the country from North Dakota with the indigenous population to Florida with the incarcerated population to Georgia with everything, really. What impact did voter suppression make in the past election? And how can attorney generals deal with that? That's a really, really good question. And voting rights is a key pillar of some of the work that Democratic AGs um, have done. And a number of our candidates actually have, have worked a lot on, on voting rights. Uh, Josh Collin, Wisconsin, who won that attorney's general race in Wisconsin, has a, has a strong history working on voting rights. So it's an issue that's near and dear to a number of our candidates and now a number of our AGs. Um, I think voter suppression is a hard thing to know. It's hard to know who didn't turn out to the polls because of, of that type of stuff. So I think there's a lot of work going on right now by a lot of different groups and in looking into what what if what effect did that actually have. What I can say is if you have a Democratic attorney general and there are bad laws on the books or bad practices or bad actors, they're going to hold elected officials accountable in their own states for, for that kind of work. So take Georgia, for example. If there had been a Democratic AG in the state of Georgia, I think you would have seen that Democratic AG do what was in their power to find out what was going on with the state laws and if they were bad laws or if there were things that were unconstitutional that were happening. They would have done that investigative work to make sure that the the fundamental right to vote is protected. Um, So when you have a Democratic attorney general, they're not afraid to hold anyone accountable, whether it's someone within their own party or whether it's the president. 
um, or whatnot. So when it comes to voting rights, which is so critical and often something that is passed at a state level, if you have a good AG in office, they're going to do the hard work to examine those law in the books, make sure the laws are being enforced fairly and applied equally to all people. And especially when it comes to things as fundamental as the right to vote, they're going to make sure that right is protected. And one other piece, every AG's office has a different set of powers, unlike congressmen or, or U.S. senators or governors, where the powers of that office are fairly similar across the country in all 50 states. For state attorneys general, those powers vary drastically from state to state, um, not only in size and scope, but if you look at a difference between um, a state like Delaware that's very small and a state like New York that's close by that's very big, but also within like the powers and jurisdiction of that office. So some offices have a lot more criminal justice power. Other offices have some legislative powers where they can actually introduce legislation. Um, other offices serve more of as like a law enforcement office. So it really varies depending on the office. So it's important to also know that there are varying degrees of actions that each individual AG can take. And so on the issue of voting rights, I'm confident that Democratic attorneys general in their individual states would take a look at what, what their office is capable of to make sure um, that the right to vote is protected and that laws are enforced fairly across the board. And recently, we saw outgoing Republican trifectas in Wisconsin and Michigan fight to restrict the state constitutional powers of incoming Democratic AGs. Why is that happening? I think that whole issue was really, you know, we were far beyond the divisions between right and left, and we were really into a conversation about right and wrong. What we saw happen in Wisconsin and Michigan isn't something new. We've seen things like that happen in states like North Carolina and Kentucky um, and other other situations where there was a divide between the top of the ticket and the state house. Um, we've never quite seen something like what happened in Wisconsin after an election. Uh, but that really was politicians attempting to override the will of the people with a last ditch effort that was very politically motivated to protect bad policies that were part of the reason that they got thrown out of office. It, it, it was a lot of those actions were fairly unconstitutional, but it really weakens our democracy and puts that system of checks and balances that we hold so dear as Americans um, at risk. Um, so on November 6th, voters elected the, the people that they did. And, and, when these, and when these new state legislators came in for their final sessions, they were doing everything they could to weaken or, or limit that democratic process and, and the will of the voters on November 6th. And how can folks get involved in 2019 and 2020, and specifically in your organization? Well, look at the candidates who are up. I think get involved, talk to the campaigns, and really find out who they are, and get involved in their races. And, you know, we actually were, we did a great program, and we haven't uh, brought it up, but we did a great texting program where we were able to uh, talk to 11 million voters throughout the country. So you can also get involved if you don't live in those three states. Sarah makes a really good point. We have, uh, specifically when it comes to the Democratic Attorneys General Association and how you can support candidates in 2019 or 2020, uh, we do have a volunteer texting program. We were able to reach more than 11 million voters in volunteer-to-voter text conversations this year, which is incredible. Um, we'll be continuing that in 2019 and 2020, so that's a really great way to get involved from literally anywhere you are. You can be like on the train to work, you can be hanging out with your friends, you can be sitting on the couch at home and being an active participant in democracy through this texting program. It's awesome. You can also get involved with the campaigns directly. They're always looking for volunteers. In our states, we haven't had any formal announcements from candidates, but you're going to see that coming see soon. soon. 
Um, so make sure to check that out. Get on their email list. Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media. We're at Democratic AGs on Twitter um, and Democratic Attorneys General Association on Facebook um, to get the latest updates. Um, and beyond sort of those um, initial aspects, it's also really important for people to connect with groups on the local level. So if there's you know, an issue that you really care about. If the environment is really important to you, there are going to be local environmental groups that are doing work in 2019 in um, Kentucky, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and other states around the country getting ready for 2020. If you are really passionate about reproductive justice and reproductive reproductive rights, groups like Planned Parenthood and NARAL are going to be organizing already. So not only find the candidates that you like and figure out a way to support them, but really identify the issues that are really important to you because there's going to be groups on a local level that are doing great work there. Part of Farah's work in recruiting the most diverse set of candidates in um, history for Democratic Attorneys General is that we have an initiative to elect more women. And we're the only Democratic committee that has an express commitment to electing more women to the Office of Attorney General. When we started uh, this work, only six of our 23 Democratic AGs were women, and actually, out post-2018, we still only have six. And we want half of our room to be women by the end of the 2022 cycle. So part of her work in recruitment is going to be really focusing on identifying really strong, talented women in some of these states who may have never considered running for the Office of Attorney General. Maybe they've been thinking about running for office, but AG wasn't really on their radar. Um, we're going to be working with Emerge and other partners to make sure that women are considering running for the Office of Attorney General so that we can up our ranks and make sure that the room of Democratic AGs is reflective of the country at large, not only um, in um, diversity and backgrounds, but also making sure we have equal gender representation as well. Right, exactly. And so pay attention. You'll see some names popping up, whether it's for this year or next year. But it is not only to get women encouraged to run now, but also for later. Uh, this entire program and pillar that we have to encourage them to run, it is to build a bench because we need candidates who are ready to go when the time is, when it's, you know, time for them to run. Um, and that goes for candidates of color and, but we know that women need a little bit more encouragement and even more support. And so that's what this, um, this does for them. And we, we love doing it. We love getting to know the candidates and we like to keep them within the family. Yeah, it's called the 1881 Initiative. It's named after the first year that two women actually put their hat in the hat in the ring to run for attorney general, um, even more than 100 years before they even had the right to vote. Um, and we uh, and it's it's been really exciting work. And in 2018, we had a lot of success electing women in New York and Delaware and Michigan um, and other states across the country. And we're looking forward to keeping that up in 2019 and beyond. Okay, awesome. And we're looking forward to hearing more about it. Thanks so much. Great. Of course. And lastly, to our listeners, make sure to keep up to date with the Millennial Politics Podcast by subscribing on iTunes, following us on social media, and tuning into the Progressive Radio Network every week at 8 p.m. Eastern to hear our newest episodes. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.